0: Hello, welcome to the Jerry Academy podcast with your host, Geriatrician Dr. Golnu Sheriff Saleh, providing you with information on aging related topics. Learn more at JerryAcademy.com and follow me on social media. Hello, welcome to the Jerry Academy podcast with your host, Dr. Golnu Sheriff Saleh. Today we are going to talk about some myths. We're gonna bust some geriatric myths. Demythify. And my guest today, Dr. Cannon, Dr. Wong, my wonderful geriatric fellows. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. So um Dr. Cannon. Yes. Wanna sing us a song?
1: If I must. You must. So this is Jerry Academy. <laughs> putting the pieces
0: together. That's that's right. We're going to put some geriatric pieces together today. But before we start with the official myths, I I have one myth that's really important, I think. Okay. All the time, I hear this, you know, geriatricians or older doctors, they're not fun. That is not true. We are cool. We are mostly young women. I mean, women dominate the field, and not only that, we have like the best job satisfaction out of any other specialty. I mean, that's reality. That actually is a true fact. So, Dr. Cannon, tell us about the first myth.
1: So, something I hear all the time is, oh, geriatricians only treat dementia. So untrue. We do everything. So, geriatricians are trained to look at the whole person, And the first time you come and see us, it's usually about a 90 minute visit because we look at your medicines. We look at how you walk. We look at what you can do at home. Is there something we can do to help? And then we basically just spend a lot of time getting to know you because this is our first time meeting you. We want to know you and everything you can do. Yes, we do specialize in memory issues. But if you look at our blog, you can see when to see a geriatrician and see if any of that fits you.
0: Right. And also, when we see patients for falls, we generally incorporate you know, a lot of other things. Check out the Jerry Academy blog, Don't Let Falls Get You Down. When we look at medications, we're looking at multiple disease processes. Again, it is a comprehensive evaluation by a geriatrician, which memory is sometimes a part of that evaluation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So what's the second myth, Dr. Wong?
2: So myth number two, if Um, I see a geriatrician, I will lose my primary care provider. Again, this is not true. Geriatricians are generally a physician, either an MD or a DO, who has completed their training and obtained additional training in the field of geriatrics. And they could function like primary cares or as specialists. And like any other specialist, people continue seeing their own primary care doctor and they see the geriatrician um, for all the issues they discussed earlier.
0: Yep, you know, there are so few geriatricians. Mm-hmm. Actually, one geriatrician if they work as a primary care doctor can take care of about 700 older adults. By 2029, when the last of the baby boomers turn 65, we are going to need about 30,000 geriatricians to fill right to fill that gap. I just saw your face, Dr. Cannon. Mm-hmm. But in order to fill that gap, we will not have enough geriatricians. And so geriatricians really work well as consultants. And sometimes when they do primary care work, they they do specialize and address the entire need. But other times as consultants, they support the healthcare system. And you know, I think that we're pretty cool.
1: I mean, we get to make up fun songs. We get to make up fun
0: songs, right?
1: (laughs) And then get roped into singing them.
0: I feel like.
1: Even if you got kicked out of your church choir because you're so bad, like I
0: did. (laughs) I feel like this blog is going to have hints of how cool we think geriatricians are. So, okay. Myth number three. So, myth number three is that
1: geriatricians only take away medicines. Very untrue. The goal of any geriatrician is to reduce pill burden. So reduce the number of medicines that you're on. And I think I remember in a podcast that we talked about, every single medicine has a 10% chance of having adverse effect. So how many older people do we see on 10 plus medicines or 10 plus supplements? Because those can have side effects too. So your geriatrician and you will work together to see if any of these medicines can be taken away. Or if you're having side effects that could be like falling, confusion, dry mouth. And we want to decrease the risk of having bad outcomes. So yes, we like to take away medicines if you don't need them, but we keep, we let you keep them if you do truly need them. I right. Who wants to take 20 pills a day? If we can get that down to 10, certainly I'd be happier. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I don't
2: want to. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: We, you know, we were just discussing when we get older, we might need potassium. So do we want the big potassium pill that's the horse pill or the nasty liquid? You know we have to think about that in the future mm-hmm. you know we yep. each
0: we
2: each have our own thoughts on it Pick your
0: poison.
1: <laughs> i'd much rather choke on Pick a pill your poison. i don't do shots
0: well so. Yep. so we did write a blog post um and you know we have the podcast but am i taking too much medicine mm-hmm. and that blog post really goes into detail about when some medications are less appropriate than others for older adults what um interactions they may have and then I can't remember if we talked about this, but that medication cascade, when you take a medication and it causes nausea, and then all of a sudden you're taking a nausea because of the side effect of that medication, mm-hmm. and then you're taking this nausea medication that's making you sleepy, and then you end up falling and breaking a hip, and then it's just
2: bad. badness. It's cascade, just a bad circle. You know?
0: Bad circle.
2: Keep in mind, every medicine has a side effect, no matter what you take, so you always got to be careful.
0: Yeah, so uh, going into falls, Dr. Wong, what is myth number four?
2: Myth number four I only fallen twice in the past six months. I don't need to see a geriatrician. Well, two falls in six months are too many falls. So no matter how small a fall, they could lead to severe injury or even death down the line. So you, your local geriatrician can really help you and work with you together to look into the causes of it before anything bad has to happen or before, like we said, you fall into the cascade of taking too many medications from that. So please check out the blog on Geri Academy um, on falls. Don't let falls get you down
0: yes and we also had a podcast with jonathan williams one of our favorite physical therapists on falls and what happens during a fall assessment but falling is a big deal because falling can take away independence and so even if someone falls one time you know i think it's important to look at the root cause of that fall because could that mean that there could be another fall i'm not talking about a stumble over a toy that someone left on the floor. I'm talking about instability and, you know, it's, it's really important. Falls are terrifying for geriatricians. All right, Dr. Cannon, myth number five.
1: All right. So myth number five, my family member is 99 years old and still on the same medicine. I should just continue it forever, right? So wrong. So some of these medicines were started probably when your family member was 40 or 50. And then as our, as our bodies age, and you can listen to the Aging Podcast and read the blog, how we metabolize medicine changes too. And then some of these medicines that we were worried about in our 40s and 50s probably aren't going to help you when you're 99 years old. So you hear about your diabetes. So the goal A1C, everyone hears about is 6.5. But if a 99-year-old had an A1C of 6.5, they might be getting high, low blood sugar that can make them fall. And then you hear about these statins that help with your cholesterol and your heart disease well typically you know at 99 they probably already have heart disease and it might be making their muscles hurt and make them feel weak so taking them off of that when it doesn't really have a clear benefit you know if that would make me feel better if my muscles didn't hurt and I didn't feel weak I think I would much much more likely to take that medicine off
0: And if you have a shorter life expectancy, right? We can think about life expectancy in terms of months to years. So if I think that my older patient might have a life expectancy of three years or less, then yes, I'm probably going to be taking them off some of the medications that may not even benefit them for another 10 to 15 years after they start taking them. And the patient can feel so much better because I'm telling you, if I was older, I'd go for quality rather than living maybe another few months longer Mm -hmm. and suffering. All right, Dr. Wong, myth number six.
2: All right, myth number six. My family member has a severe dementia. Is it too late to see a geriatrician? Well, it's never too late to see a geriatrician. Uh, Dementia, once you have that diagnosis, it doesn't stop at the patient level. It became a a group issue. It became a team issue. affects not only the patient, affects their family member, their kids, their grandchildren, their doctors, their geriatrician, everyone needs to um, step in and be able to help out. And seeing a geriatrician will um, help the family understand how this disease progresses, how much help their loved one will need and what is to be expected down the line. So. Um, a geriatrician could help preparing not only the family, uh, not only the patient, but also the family for what comes next. Yeah. yeah. Did you have
0: something you want to say about that, and Dr. There was actually
2: a study that came out that people who saw geriatricians and had
1: the appropriate training and counseling kept their family members out of nursing homes longer mm-hmm. and kept them at home, which you know, that's the goal of pretty much everyone goal. is to stay at home as long as possible.
2: Yeah. yeah. When we come to, uh, you know, the moderate uh, dementia, demented patient, we discuss what is our goal is no longer um, to, you know, cure the disease or sometimes even delay the progress is uh, unrealistic. So when we come to that level, we need to think about what is our goal when we're taking care of those patients? How do we make them more comfortable keeping their Um, function level as much as possible. And if keeping them at home will give them that comfort, make them happy in the last stage of their life, then that's where, you know, we could come in and help.
1: And geriatricians also give resources like the Alzheimer's Association, elder care, people that can come into your home and help you so your family member can stay at home. Again, it's just a geriatrician has all these insights that Some other
2: people might not have because this is what we specialize in. Mm -hmm. And for those people that, you know, are at their advanced age where the family are distraught, where they're at the end of the rope, and we could also help out by advising on a placement so their loved one will be taken care of and the family will, you know, rest knowing their loved ones are in a safe place.
0: Mm -hmm or even how to speak to your loved one, right? Right. We can explain to a family member, your loved one is processing information at this mental age. And because of that, this is how you need to approach them. And this is how you need to speak to them. And maybe some words are appropriate and some words are inappropriate and Those are the things that end up keeping that patient at home with their loved ones because loved ones know, okay, I can enter the bubble that this patient lives in. And when I can't do it anymore, I step out and somebody else uh, steps in and takes care of my loved one. And we talk about caregiver burden. So a lot on this topic, again, because it is something that we do a lot of, but it is never too late to see a geriatrician. And I think we're also particularly good with medication uh, blends, uh, taking patients off of some medications because they could be causing some behavioral disturbance or even adding some and the combination of some that could help with some of the behavioral issues. Okay, so who's up? Myth number seven.
1: So the geriatrician only sees patients in the clinic. So false, we go everywhere. That's the cool part of geriatrics is you can be in the hospital one day, in the nursing home like we are one day. You can go to a group dementia house, which is one of my favorite places to go. But it's really important to have a geriatrician in the hospital because they can see the hip fracture patients that might get a medicine to help strengthen their bones or something that there's a blog on delirium, which is my favorite topic in the hospital because you can help the patient be less confused, help them hopefully get out of this brain fog, because delirium is pretty serious, especially in the ICU. It has an increased risk of death. So if we can intervene and hopefully help these patients get through it a little bit quicker, it's great. And we also do advanced care planning or goals of care in the hospital. So if, you know, you're worried about this patient isn't receiving enough care at home, like home health or palliative or hospice, we can intervene and help the hospitalist or the primary care doctor get the patient the help they need.
0: And transition of care, Yes, right? So we'll see a patient in the hospital, someone who we know has a risk of coming back to the hospital frequently. And we establish that care. We look at the root causes, the underlying reason, why is this patient coming back to the hospital? Mm -hmm. And what do we do? We make a house call and we follow them into the home to understand a little bit about what is going on, or we'll follow them into the geriatric clinic to see what's going on, right? And so it's, it's I think it's awesome. And I just realized something, or maybe this like thought came into my head. You know how you have people like sneaking around and like popping their, that's just like, oh, it's a geriatrician. <laughs>
2: Or a little more because yeah. we always dig deeper. Mm-hmm. We dig to pretty deep, nuggets. That's right. <laughs> That's and we're right. we could be everywhere too. You know, like you mentioned, the house calls, and you know, we really get established. We're um, getting to know the patient better. And our ultimate goal is to keep them um, as well taken care of as functional as long as possible. And I was just um, in a PACE program where uh, older frail adult, half of them have dementia they get to be cared at home, but they go to an adult daycare center where they get to have um, a you know, a lot of fun activities, their family get to have a rest, and the geriatrician get to see them there. And they, the geriatrician in the PACE program get to keep them in the community as independently as much as possible. So um, we're everywhere. Yeah, Yeah, and it's was actually some research that
1: showed if you have a geriatrician, it keeps you out of the hospital and it helps save you money. So I think, I think it said like $800 a year by not going to the ER because, you know, ERs are so expensive.
0: Right. And if a geriatrician sees you before you have some type of hip surgery because of a hip fracture, then your the likelihood of developing delirium goes down by like 30%. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty cool. So Very significant. Right. Yes. So who wrote that blog on delirium? I think you did. Did I write that? For yes, some reason, I thought you wrote that.
1: <laughs> I mean, I do love it. It's one of my like <laughs> true loves in the hospital because hypoactive or hyperactive
0: i love them both i do too it's a favorite diagnosis mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm.
2: all right who's up myth number eight myth number eight dementia is a normal part of aging which is incorrect the old way of thinking is that older patient just got senile as they age this was before dementia become a diagnosis there's um you know slowing of memory as we age and um almost everybody but dementia is not or is a faster progress than the, just the normal um, memory loss progress. So dementia is not normal.
0: And, and there is different pathology, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at uh, brain scans of different types of dementia, so it is not a normal part of aging. If you notice mom or dad or grandma or grandpa forgetting maybe. I forget what I ate for breakfast. I'm repeating myself, uh, maybe the same thing multiple times, calling, asking the same questions. That is not normal.
2: Or getting lost in small spots.
0: Exactly. Getting lost while driving or Um, sometimes forgetting to turn on the car, like something they had done mm -hmm. so many times. Forgetting to
2: take care of the car. My husband got... hit by a car that was on fire backing into his car at a uh, a, a traffic light. (laughs) He had to pull that old gentleman out away from his car because um, that moment that older gentleman really truly had no idea what was going on. He kept saying, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But he was definitely in distraught and, um, you know, very high chance he has some kind of cognitive deficit and he could have been in serious danger if, um, oh, you know. It was like a rolling fireball. It was rolling, you know, <laughs> well,
0: car. For a moment.
2: That was come. When Dr. Wong
0: said my husband,
2: <laughs> I was like, are you going to say Chris has dementia? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's something he had flying at him. I mean, I did <laughs> cognitively test my husband. Did you? <laughs> because... He has some difficulties with recall, and apparently I do too now because he told me he had to get dental work on Monday. That's a perfect example. You know, everybody has bad memory moments. Everybody forgets stuff. When it becomes a danger, when it becomes something more than will usually, and it will impair your day-to-day activity, then it's not normal. So definitely get it checked out and get it managed, treated, however, um, so that you wouldn't get yourself in spots of danger or, you know, your loved ones would be protected. So you're not in a rolling fireball. Right.
0: But, you you know, just on a serious note, though, you can have younger patients develop memory problems, Mm -hmm. or you can have an actual memory disorder. Mm -hmm. And so for us, you know, if you have someone in their 40s or 50s, there's likely a genetic component, but developing serious memory um, issues, or even if, you know, I mean, I, I laughed at that, but even if, like, I thought, oh my gosh, something's not right, I detected something was is not right. I think, you know, you can still see geriatrics, but definitely, absolutely need to see a neurologist because that is not normal either. Mm-hmm. You know, and the sooner that you intervene and see somebody or that your loved one sees someone, the longer you can preserve your memory, the more likely you can find out what the root of the problem is mm-hmm. and address it, which is really important. Okay, guys. Absolutely. So myth number nine.
1: So myth number nine. I don't need to see a geriatrician for urinary incontinence. Incorrect. Any female with urinary incontinence should see a geriatrician. This is because urinary incontinence can be the first sign of frailty. And I talked about this in my blog and my podcast a few weeks ago. And, you know, we worry about incontinence because if you're rushing to get to the bathroom, again, you might fall and hurt a hip. Or you might trip and hit your head. So anytime you have urinary incontinence, it's good to just get it checked out. It's nothing embarrassing. You know, it happens to a lot of people, but it's just good to get it checked out. And Early intervention for this urinary incontinence might mean a better quality of life and decrease the risk of developing frailty syndrome that's on that continuum that you can see the picture on our blog to maintain your independence.
0: Right. I just thought of another myth. Okay, Gosh. myth number 9.5. 9.5. Right. <laughs> um, Everyone gets a urinary tract infection when they're older. And that's not true either, right? Because about 30% of women can have uh, colonization. So they can have bacteria that may appear to be a urinary tract infection and it may not be. And every time we treat these urinary tract infections or not true urinary tract infections, then we build more resistant uh, bacteria, which will need... uh, actual antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And these antibiotics, you know, will run out of an antibiotic and it can be harmful to a patient. So important to see a geriatrician, important to address that with primary care, and important to possibly even see a urologist when you're Mm -hmm. kind of in this cycle.
1: And something important also is if your family has a Foley catheter, if you, and they go to the doctor and they're like, oh, they've been confused, let's check their urine. If they've had a Foley for more than like three days, it's going to be contaminated. It could have 17,000 bacteria in there, but that doesn't mean they have a urinary tract infection. It's just the bacteria live in there because it's pee and it's warm and they're happy. Yes. So if especially if your patient has a catheter, it's even more difficult to get a good, clean urine sample, as clean as urine can get. You know, apparently it is sterile.
0: It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, unless and also if you have like diabetes and you're leaking a little bit of Mm -hmm. sugar, Mm -hmm. right, then you're going to have even happier bacteria trying to live there. Right. So, okay. Myth number 10.
2: All right. Myth number 10. My parents or spouse only sleep about six hours a night. Is that normal? Well, this surprisingly is. As we age, we do need less sleep to keep us functioning. On average, old person only needs six hours of sleep in 24 hours. Um, So your family member is napping most of the day. They will likely be up all night. Um, So it's uh, very important to keep them awake as much as possible so they could um, reorient to that uh, normal day and night cycle so that they don't end up staying up all night.
0: You know, one other thing we see, and then we talked about this in the delirium podcast, is when loved ones come to the hospital and their family member is sleeping and they're like, let them rest. They didn't sleep all night. And what do we do? Wake them up. We wake them Open up, pull the up blinds. the blinds and drive everyone crazy. Turn on the lights. but we stop it, right? We <laughs> mm-hmm. we sort of need to stop that cycle. It kind of like reinforcing the bad habit. And so making sure that your loved one is active, up awake during the day, not just in the hospital, but at home too, Mm -hmm. think your loved one with dementia, they shouldn't just be sitting around all day. They need to be active and doing things. And so once you do keep them active and once they are doing things and engaged as much as they can be, depending on the uh, stage of dementia, then they're more likely to get a better night's sleep. And I don't remember if we talked about this too in another podcast, but we talked about melatonin mm-hmm. uh, medication that is used for sleep. <clears throat> so really melatonin should be taken about four hours before sleep, no more than one to three milligrams. And so if if you want to help your loved one get to sleep, or if you're having some trouble sleeping, you could try some of that um, in the evening, about four hours before going to sleep. Um. Again, if you go to bed at nine o'clock, you may be up at 3 a.m. and mm-hmm. that could be a full night's sleep mm-hmm. because your sleep cycles change as you mm-hmm. age.
2: Yeah, and common miscep- misconception is that I take melatonin right before I go to bed, but this is not how it's supposed to be used, right? It's not a sedative. It doesn't make you sleepy. It's part of the natural hormone your brain produces. Mm-hmm. So if you take it the normal circadian rhythm time, then that will work better. And yeah.
1: don't take Benadryl. I'm a Benadrylian. I used to take Benadryl all the time to make me sleep, but it's been linked with cognitive impairment. And I don't know if you saw this, but on the Physician Mom group on Facebook, there's all these pearls of your specialty. And one of your previous fellows, Dr. Hardin, said that someone was taking 32 milligrams of melatonin, just still like the three milligrams. Oi, oh, 32,
0: wow. 32 is a lot. They must have had some wild dreams. The higher <laughs> with, the dose, the weirder those dreams. With
1: some Benadryl and some Tylenol PM. Yikes.
0: Oh, Oh, wow.
2: So So,
0: I think this was fun, right? Talking about the myths and how cool we are. That's so cool. have fun. So, Dr. Cannon, I I know you were kicked out of your choir. (laughs) Can you just sing us out of here?
1: Welcome to Dairy Academy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. (laughs) Bye. 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 Hello, welcome to the Jerry Academy podcast with your host, geriatrician, Dr. Golnir Sheriff Saleh, providing you with information on aging-related topics. Learn more at jerryacademy.com and follow me on social media.